Are you making a unique, meaningful contribution? Welcome to Bite Size Behavioral Science. I'm Lon Langston, and it's my job to translate the best behavioral science into stuff that we can all use every day. One of the most powerful motivators and reliable predictors of fulfillment is making a meaningful contribution to a group of people whose values you share. Now, the values do not have to be identical. They just have to be compatible. It's making a meaningful contribution to a group of people whose values you share. The word meaningful here is important because it's easy to confuse activity with productivity. A meaningful contribution makes a positive impact. And if your meaningful contribution is unique, it not only multiplies that positive impact, it also multiplies your own satisfaction. This episode is about how to realize your unique meaningful contribution. Now, there are hundreds of books on business and hundreds on economics and hundreds on psychology and hundreds on neurology. So how can you know what you should do to generate your unique, meaningful contribution? One reliable way is to see where the research overlaps. So in this episode, we're going to look at a Venn diagram that illustrates the behavioral science plus a lot of rigorous research on management and leadership. The Venn diagram has three circles. If you've been studying management and leadership for a long time, you may recognize these three circles from Jim Collins' seminal book, Good to Great. In Good to Great, Jim Collins called this the hedgehog concept. And by the way, even though Good to Great was published in 2001, it's still referenced today, probably because it was not based on Jim Collins' opinion or his personal experience. It was based on a rigorous five-year research study. See, Jim Collins was a professor at the Graduate School of Business at Stanford University before he left to start his own organization. So he applies a very rigorous research methodology to the writing of his books. In addition to Jim Collins, Daniel Pink and Malcolm Gladwell and Jim Quick and Andy Stanley and Ramit Sethi and even Richard Feynman have referred to these same three concepts, most significantly maybe in self-determination theory. Now, remember in science, a theory is something that has been proven. Self-determination theory by Richard Ryan and Edward D.C. is one of the most researched, replicated, and widely applied theories in all of behavioral science. Okay, our three circles are interest, mastery, and impact, although different people label them differently. For instance, Ryan and D.C. in self-determination theory called it autonomy, competence, and relatedness. And a lot of people call them passion, ability, and contribution. On the Career Hub website, they call it what you love, what comes easily, and what pays well. And the financial guru Ramit Sethi calls these three circles what you enjoy, what you're good at, and what people are willing to pay you for. In Good to Great, you might remember Jim Collins labels the three circles each with a question. And the first one he says is, what are you deeply passionate about? The second is, what can you be the best in the world at? And the third is, what drives your economic engine? But we're going to call them interest, mastery, and impact. I try not to use anything without proper attribution. 
But even though I don't know who created this particular version of our three-circle Venn diagram, I had to include it here because it's a, a humorous take on how we may actually interact with the three circles a lot of times. If you're only listening to the audio version of this, the three circles were labeled things I'm good at, things I like to do, and things that make money. Okay, so, so far that's consistent with what we've been talking about. But then there's also this amorphous blob that does not intersect with any of the circles that's labeled things I do. In other words, the things I do do not intersect with the circles. While this may sometimes be true, hopefully it's not often true, and, and maybe by raising our awareness today, we can make it less true. We're all human, and we humans delay and procrastinate and avoid even the things we know will make our lives and our work better. But maybe acknowledging that will help us overcome it. Where these three circles overlap for you is where you will find your unique, meaningful contribution. In other words, your purpose. Now, I want to emphasize that when we say purpose, we're not talking about magical thinking. In behavioral science, purpose is defined as a stable, overarching goal that drives your behavior and is very important to you and beneficial to other people. Stable, overarching goal that is very important to you and beneficial to other people. Each of us has a finite amount of time and energy, and we each have an innate need to use that time and energy to do something meaningful. Now, I'm not saying that every person always uses their time and energy to do something meaningful. What I am saying is that if you don't, you may get entertainment and you may even get some achievement, but you will not get fulfillment and you will not reach your potential. What is your purpose? What is your unique, meaningful contribution? What can only you do? By the way, the process, and it is a process, can start with any of the three circles. You may develop a passion for something you're good at and then figure out how to use it to make an impact. Or you may develop passion and interest in something because it makes an impact. Okay, so to understand the whole process better, let's look at each circle individually, starting with interest. Don't let the word interest fool you here. The kind of interest we're talking about is not something you're mildly interested in. It's not something you have a passing interest in. This is something that you're innately, inherently, intrinsically interested in. This is the kind of interest that is synonymous with the word passion. And the passion we're talking about here, the interest we're talking about here, is a deep-seated drive that demands your attention. It's a deep-seated drive that demands your attention. It's compelling. It incorporates your curiosity. It incorporates your creativity. What does your curiosity compel you to want to know more about? What are you compelled to create? Think back to when you were a kid. Before society and school narrowed what you thought were your possibilities, what were you curious about then? What were you predisposed to want to create then? And remember, creativity is not just about art or music or literature. Creativity can be in any domain. Creativity can be a new process or procedure. It can be a new way of thinking. It can be a new piece of computer code or even just a cool spreadsheet. It can be a new building design or even just an office layout within a building. It can be a new way of executing a task. 
It can be a new org chart, a new way of organizing your workplace. It can be anything that doesn't yet exist. What, what do you want to create? What are you capable of creating? What are you so curious about that you have to know more about it? This circle is not what you're paid to do. It's not what you're told to do. It's what you want to do. And that's why we often call this circle autonomy. What are you curiously, creatively compelled to want to do? And this is important. Your compelling interest gives you the diligence to do the hard work, the resolve to overcome the obstacles, and the resilience to rebound from the inevitable setbacks. Now let's turn to mastery. Mastery is about a high level of knowledge and skill. It's about competence, but it's also about confidence. Confidence in your knowledge and skill. It's about proficiency to the point of expertise. At what can you be confidently, masterfully accomplished? At what can you build towering competence? Of course, only a small fraction of us can be the best in the world at any given thing. But each of us can be the best at some specific thing, in some specific industry, at some specific time and place. What can you be great at? You can be the person who's the most qualified at certain things within your organization. You can be the expert at certain tasks and techniques. You can be the master of your craft. Many people find their mastery in the quality of their thinking, critical thinking, analytical thinking, foundational thinking, first principles thinking. And even if you're not the best at any one skill, you can find your mastery by stacking several skills, by blending skills together in a unique combination. In fact, that's the way most accomplished people find their mastery, by stacking skills, by combining skills in some unique combination. There's a quote by Tim Ferriss that fits here. He said, you don't succeed because you have no weaknesses. You succeed because you find your unique strengths. So notice strengths is plural. It's not your unique strength. It's your unique strengths, your skill stack, your combination of strengths. Hey, and by the way, the rest of the quote says, and develop habits around them which harkens back to episode one of Bite Size Behavioral Science, which if you have not yet watched it or listened to it, I would encourage you to check it out. We talk about an optimal habits checklist, a great way to build habits around your strengths. What are you curiously, creatively, passionately interested in? And what strengths can you build confident mastery around? This is not easy or automatic. It's about applying effort to realize your potential. And it's hard to see your eventual mastery from the here and now, because once you reach what is your potential, new potential becomes available. And so new levels of confidence and mastery become available. Okay, now let's turn to the impact circle. The impact circle is about positively impacting people. So if you watch the TV series, The Big Bang Theory, you may remember an episode when Sheldon says, people don't go in my room. And Leonard says, then where do you sleep? Sheldon looks confused. So Leonard says, people don't go in your room and you're people, so where do you sleep? Well, it's a bad joke, but it illustrates the point. The people we're impacting in this circle is other people and yourself. 
So this is not just about impacting other people. It's also about your personal well-being. Maybe a little bit counterintuitively, this circle also represents your ability to make money, your ability to earn income. As represented by the Career Hub version, where it says what pays well, and the Ramit Shetty version, where it says what people will pay for, and even the good to great version, where it says what drives your economic engine. The reason this circle is about both positively affecting people and making money is because people pay for positive impact. Your customer pays you for the positive impact you make on them. Your boss pays you for the positive impact you make on the organization. It's about exchanging money for goods and services, exchanging money for positive impact. It's an extension of our human interaction with each other. So this circle is also about prosperity, your prosperity and the prosperity of the people you impact. Which brings up another point. The scale of your impact matters. And scale is determined by the number of people you impact times the significance of that impact. And frankly, the more impact, the more valuable it is. We all admire or maybe resent athletes and entertainers who get paid a lot, but they get paid a lot because they impact a lot of people a lot. So you can impact a few people a lot or a lot of people a little, but ideally you'll impact a lot of people a lot. So the impact circle is about impacting people, including yourself, so your personal well-being, and it's about the prosperity of you and the people you're impacting. Identifying your purpose, your unique, meaningful contribution is not easy because it lies at the intersection of all three circles. It's not at the intersection of any two circles, and it's certainly not in any one circle. So let's look at what happens if you only have one or two circles. First, interest. Innate, intrinsic, inherent, passionate interest. But if you only have that, you only have a dream. You have an aspiration, but no action. So if you add mastery to interest, you have a pastime. And there's nothing wrong with having a pastime. It just doesn't rise to the level of a unique, meaningful contribution. Because a unique, meaningful contribution and purpose is about other people and you, not other people or you. So what if you just have impact? If you just have impact, you have a job. You get paid, but you're not passionate about it and you're not great at it. This is, this is a nine to five. And unfortunately, a lot of people settle for this, but you don't have to settle. So what if you add interest to impact? Then you have a career. Your interest will keep you doing it and the impact will get you paid, but the lack of mastery will cause you not to have fulfillment. It will also cause you never to reach your potential. And unfortunately, this is most people. But again, you don't have to settle for this. What if you have mastery and impact, but no passion, no innate interest? This is what we call golden handcuffs. This is when you're really good at doing something and it's making a big enough impact that you get stuck doing it because you're making a lot of money or because people want you to keep doing it or both. But this begs a different question. How can someone achieve mastery without the passionate interest that fuels the diligence and the resolve and the resilience we need to get there? One potential explanation is that the passion was there originally, but then it faded away. And this can be illustrated by Randy Meisner's story. Randy Meisner was one of the original members of the classic rock band, The Eagles. 
So the Eagles got really popular. They're touring all the time. They're performing every night. And, of course, they're performing the hits every night, several of which, or at least a few of which, Randy Meisner sang. So Randy Meisner has this, like, super high tenor voice, like crazy highs. And so he mostly sang harmony, but there was a few songs, like Take It to the Limit, that he would lead on. And he got tired of singing those songs every night. I mean, he just got bored with it. And then Glenn Fry, who was the leader of the Eagles, said to him, you know, I get tired of singing the songs I sing too, but every night there's someone in the audience who's waited years to hear you sing that song. But Randy Meisner had lost the passion for it. He had the passion originally, but the passion had faded away over time. But he had the golden handcuffs because there was a lot of people who wanted him to do it, uh, to sing those songs, and, and he was making a lot of money singing those songs. So he got stuck doing something he was no longer passionate about. So what happened was the impact kind of overwhelmed both his passion and his mastery. Another explanation for how someone can get mastery without the passion can be illustrated by Andre Agassi's story. So many of you know that Andre Agassi was one of the best tennis players in the world, but he famously said, I play tennis for a living even though I hate tennis. I hate it with a dark and secret passion, and I always have. So look at that. It's not that he didn't have a passion for tennis. It's the opposite. He had a passion against tennis. So why did he play tennis, and how did he get so good? It's because he was driven by an external force. He was driven by an extrinsic motivator, and that external force, that extrinsic motivator, was his father, his overbearing father. So external factors can drive you to mastery in bad situations, but it's a negative passion. I hate it with a passion, passion, instead of I love it with a passion, passion. External forces are legitimate and practical considerations are essential. We each must make a living and we must honor our commitments, absolutely. But that doesn't mean you can't pursue your passion. That doesn't mean you can't pursue your unique, meaningful contribution. In fact, if you find your unique, meaningful contribution, you will make a bigger and better impact on everyone, including yourself. So earnestly contemplate these three questions. The interest question is, what are you curiously, creatively, passionately compelled to do? And the mastery question is, at what can you be confidently and masterfully accomplished? And the impact question is, what can you do that will positively impact people and create well-being for yourself and create prosperity for yourself and other people? If you can create a unique, meaningful contribution for yourself, you get to renegotiate your reality. Thank you for listening to this podcast or watching this YouTube video. If you like it, please subscribe and go forth and improve yourself and the world.